0: His Morning Crew with Rob,
1: Allison, and Jim. Convoy of Hope is a faith-based nonprofit that's helped 100 million people since 1994 by sharing food, water, emergency pl- supplies, you name it. Jeff Nini is the national spokesperson for Convoy of Hope, and he's uh, been a part of responding to many major hurricanes in the last 10, 15 years. He's live now in Charlotte uh, waiting for to really get word to where you should head next, the worst of the storm, right?
2: That is true, uh, we got here in Charlotte yesterday and it's it's ironic, beautiful weather, it was sunny, no wind, now today it's changed a little bit, there's a little bit of cloud cover and the wind is starting to pick up a little bit, but uh, we will make a decision this morning where we head, uh, what part of the storm affected area we go to. I know you've been
3: to hurricane and, and disaster relief places like Katrina and such in through the past years. I know that they're all just a little bit different, but what's the commonality between everything that you go to to respond to help these people?
2: I think one of the biggest commonalities is uh, people's attitudes. Uh, Most of the time you find people that are shell-shocked. They're a little... you know, unsettled. They don't know what's going on. They've just gone through one of the worst moments of their lives. And it's really comforting to be able to to talk to people like that and not just give them food and water, but give them hope. Talk to them about the Lord. Talk to them about the relationship with Christ. And and to me, that's one of the, the real fringe benefits of doing what we do.
1: I love your strategy of how you get everything ready, you get your trucks mobilized, and then you go as close as you can safely. What does that do as far as making you one of the first on the ground to help?
2: That's exactly what it does. Uh, we are uh, frequently the first or one of the first into the affected area. And and I think when people see our trucks roll into that community, uh, I remember going into uh, Picayune, Mississippi after Hurricane Katrina, and the sheriff was a guy named Big Tom, and mm-hmm. he fit his name. But he looked at us and he said, you know what? Our town was falling apart. But when we saw your trucks roll in, we knew everything was going to be. OK. You say trucks. How many do
3: you have with your convoy now?
2: Uh, I think there's either 12 or 13 trucks in this convoy We're split up into one small group with just one tractor trailer that we wanted to get here plenty early. And the rest of the group actually spent the night in Knoxville, Tennessee last night and they'll be coming in. They've probab- they're probably on the road right now. Uh, they left this morning and they're heading down this direction and then we're going to meet up somewhere. What are the supplies? Uh, A lot of times it's the same thing. It's food, it's water, those are the big things. But then we'll also have baby supplies, you know, diapers, wipes, uh, things like that. We'll do things like generators, uh, cleaning supplies, flood buckets, we call them, that are like a five gallon paint can that are just full of uh, cleaning supplies, help people clean up afterwards.
1: How do people get their hands on those things?
2: Uh, we partner with local churches in the affected areas so likely what we'll do in this case is we'll set up one central hub where we'll have tractor trailer loads of supplies in a large uh, tent that's doubling as a warehouse and then we will set up outreach or outpost areas in local church parking lots and use the folks from that church to really be the heroes to the people in their own neighborhood and distribute those supplies to them.
1: What else do you need? How can we be praying for you?
2: Uh, we obviously need the prayers. We've got we've got a big group on this one. The way it was forecast, it looked like it was gonna be a major event, and I still think it will be, even though we've been fortunate and the wind has died down, there's still gonna be a lot of rain, a lot of flooding, but we need prayers. We always need financial support. You can imagine how expensive it is to roll that many trucks, that many people, and and hundreds of thousands of pounds of supplies.
3: Jeff Neeney, who is with Convoy of Hope, you can hear their passion. They are going to make an effective difference in lives because of Hurricane Florence that's coming through. Jeff Nini, thank you so much. If you'd like to get in contact with Convoy of Hope, tell you what, just go to our website, hisradio.com. You'll see a link right there with Hurricane Relief, and you'll be able to help Convoy of Hope. It's Rob Allison and Jim, his morning crew, on his radio.
0: Mornings with Rob Allison and Jim.
3: My heart's going out to New Bern right now, Hmm. North Carolina. In the middle of the night, they had to boogie out 200 people because Noose River started to overflow. It got way too high. I think 10 feet is what I read. And then there was hundred and fifty others that needed to be rescued to get out of there. This is a place you didn't really have to, you know, get out of, and now they had to in a big quick hurry. So thank you for praying for those folks.
1: There's a lot of ways we can specifically be praying for people. Pam texted us. She says, I work in an assisted living facility. Please keep the residents in all facilities in prayer during the storm and power outages. We must remember them. Oh my.
3: And we're hearing from Dina too. What's going on, Dina?
1: I
4: don't want- if you could add my brother and his family to your prayer list, they live in a small town called Leland, North Carolina, which is about 20 minutes outside of Wilmington. And after speaking with them, with them a short time this morning, they're having to abandon their home because they have water coming in on all four sides.
3: So they tried to ride it out, and they didn't evacuate when they were supposed to.
4: Correct. Oh, Correct. my. They're about, about, they're about the exit before the USS Wilmington on the intercoastal waterway the exit before that and they were trying to ride it out because of course didn't have animals. but I've called every day this week trying to get them to come down this way so I'm hoping now I couldn't talk for about five minutes because they were in such a hurry and I guess the panic trying to get everything they could out but I'm trying to get them to come down this way they don't have a lot of money I know it's a long drive but um, we're going to try and find them a hotel or a place to stay in our church Gatville Baptist is six miles having a huge rally Tomorrow, Maybe it's a blessing for them to come down and experience
3: that. What are their names? Uh, it's
4: Frank and
3: Darlene Chastine. Dina, we're going to pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up Dina's family. For Frank and Darlene, they tried to ride out the storm, and now they have to leave in the middle of this storm right now. I mean, they're just right in the heat of it. And so, Father, as they're leaving, as they're evacuating with the worst of the storm coming through, I pray for your protection, that your your hedge of protection is around them, that they get to safety and they get there quick, and maybe they can come over to Dina's house and experience a youth rally that's coming up. And God, I just, I just pray that you're with them every step of the way. I have a feeling that they're going to be okay but it's gonna be a tough one for them. And so, God, thank you that you're with Frank and Darlene at this very moment and, and giving Dina some comfort as she's worrying. I know I would be, I'd be going nuts. So thank you, God, that you're with this family Right now we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.
4: Thank you so very much. I appreciate everything y'all do.
1: Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. It's a busy time in the life of Will Graham, Billy Graham's grandson, Franklin Graham's oldest son. He's got a new book coming out, his first book, in fact. He's starring in a movie coming out today. Will joins us live from Asheville. Good morning.
5: Uh, good morning, guys.
1: You know, Will, I saw you on stage recently and you got really emotional talking about your grandfather who passed away in February. Does it just hit you sometimes what a big loss that was?
5: Well, it, well it's... Uh I guess it is, but it's not the loss because uh, I know exactly where he is. It's the memories uh, I think of the uh, of spending time with him. So when I hear his voice, when I hear my dad's voice, it's a very emotional for me. Mm. And, I, and my dad's still alive, so it has nothing about being here on earth or not. It's just when you hear something you love, in this case, my grandfather Billy Graham or my father Franklin Graham, I get very emotional and so I was trying to go over I was trying to, I was going to read my thank yous and stuff like that my little message and then i realized they weren't going to give me a podium and i can't hold my my message and my and the trophy at the same time that they were giving to my granddaddy so i had to i was memorizing boy and i was getting emotional and then uh, the worst things for any speaker is now they show the video of my grandfather the tribute video and that's where i lost it i couldn't take Mm -hmm. it anymore and i wasn't just shedding tears i was And so I was trying to keep my composure so I could talk and, uh, and say thank you to everybody. But uh, it was a tough time and everybody was standing applauding because they loved my granddaddy. And how God used my granddaddy to reach so many millions of people, and I'm so thankful.
3: Yeah, and what a high honor as well that Will Graham, we're talking with Will Graham this morning on his radio. He actually gets to play his grandfather in the movie that's coming out today. It's called Unbroken, The Path to Redemption, which actually picks up where Unbroken concludes, you know, the continuing unbelievable true story about Louis Zamperini. Uh, he's that Olympic athlete that was in prison in the war in Japan. And he came to a tremendous, you know, go went through a lot of torment and now Will Graham is playing his granddaddy in this film. What is this like for you? And how does well, this movie actually, his story actually moved you?
5: Well, it this is a, it, one is this is a true story. It's not based on a true story. This is a true story of the life of Louis Zamperini. The first movie took care of uh, his pre-war years, like a, as a delinquent, as an Olympian um and then goes all the way through the war this movie path to redemption unbroken path to redemption deals with the post-war stuff of louis and how he was a broken man and uh he would end up hearing my grandfather in 1949 he would go twice to hear my grandfather it took him two times he's a thick-headed italian man very self-defiant and so it took two times but on the second time when he was walking out He was walking out of the tent, he hated everything he heard. That's when God just grabbed his heart. He was listening to my grandfather, Billy Graham, but now he gave his life over to Jesus Christ and his life was forever changed that night. And we're so thankful.
1: And we actually have that clip in the movie, the point where Louie found peace thanks to a Billy Graham revival.
5: God makes himself unseen, but I believe that God is still performing miracles. I believe that God is still healing bodies. I believe that God is still healing hearts. I believe that God is still transforming lives. He says to each of us, If you suffered, I'll give you the grace to go forward. But because you can't hear him, because you can't see him in his silence of heaven, you turn away from him. And let me tell you, brother, that's the most dangerous place to be, to sit there day after day and never accept salvation
1: you sound like him you look like him what was it like to play your grandfather
5: well i I appreciate that Uh, i guess we do sound a lot a lot alike, just because you know we both grew up in north carolina i guess i mean we're born raised here Uh, my granddad was born here and i I was raised here but uh, you know it was a great privilege it was a great honor it was not something i was looking to do i'm not trying this is my first time i've ever acted in my life it's my first and probably my last Uh, i'm retired i'm a preacher and so the only good thing is I didn't have to act, I just did what I normally do, and that's to preach the Word of God. And in this case, I'm preaching the same sermon that we thought Louis Zamperini came to know Christ on. Mm. So this is word for word. All my lines in the movie are actually Billy Graham's sermon from 1949. And a lot of that, especially the one about Louis's conversion that night, was uh, comes from a sermon entitled, Why Does God Allow Communism? When's the last time you heard a sermon on that?
3: Yeah, all right. <laughs> You know, what's amazing, too, is that Billy Graham, your grandfather, and Louie became like really close friends. As a matter of fact, I like what your dad or your grandfather had said. He said, there is no story in the last hundred years with a great emphasis on what Christ can do in a man's life. Why do you think your grandfather was so moved by Louie's story?
5: Because it was a radical transformation. Overnight, mm-hmm. and uh, and there was a, there was a couple people from the 49. There's a lot, thousands of people that would give their life to Christ in 1949. there at the Greater Los Angeles Crusade, but there was three men that stood out in my granddaddy's mind. Uh, There were well-known people, uh, Louis being one of them. Another man named Jim Voss. Jim Voss was the wiretapper for Mickey Cohen, the mobster. He would come to know Christ during this time. And then then Jim Voss, the wiretapper, took my granddaddy to meet Mickey Cohen, trying to lead Mickey Cohen to Christ. Amazing. Uh, And then there was Stuart Hamblin. Stuart Hamblin was the king of radio on the West Coast. He had the number one radio program at the time. He would give his life to Christ. And so uh, there were so many amazing things. Matter of fact, they became good friends, like you said, Billy and Louise Zamperini. And uh, they became friends that day uh, or, or soon after that it may not been that night it may have been the next couple days but louis would even given his testimony at the 49 crusade a few days later he would give his testimony and then he would come back years after years and give his testimony again at my granddaddy's crusades and uh, you're showing a picture in the background but the the picture in the background uh of him and my granddaddy was the last time they would see each other and that was in uh, I think 2011 when they were on the book tour. Louis Zamperini was on his book tour right there. That's a great picture of my granddad. That's the last time they would see each other. Oh.
1: I just love these stories. I can't get enough. But we, our time is running out. But in October, Will's first book is released: Redeemed Devotions for a Longing Soul. It's featuring stories about his grandfather's life and ministry, as well as your own life, Will. Now, your grandfather wrote 33 books, including five bestsellers. So, is this the first of many for you?
5: Well, listen, I'm not a very good writer, um, um, but I want to share God's stories. Uh, I want to share what God's done in my life, what God's, I've seen God do around the world. But at the same time, I want to, I want to put truth in. And it's not Will Graham's truth. I, I start with God's word. Everything I do, I want to talk about God's word. God's word changes lives. There's power in God's word, not Will Graham's words. And so when I write, I want to talk about God's word every time I can.
3: And we're talking with Will Graham on his radio. Before we let you go, Will, how are you going to prepare for the hurricane? You're in Asheville, and so there's going to be a lot of wind and rain that is going to be coming our way.
5: Yeah, that, that is. And please be praying. I got I got family. Most of us, a lot of people around here will going to have family down on the East Coast. I got family in Wilmington. My mom's from eastern North Carolina, so I pastored a church in eastern North Carolina. So I have a lot of friends and relatives down in eastern North Carolina. I don't have that many in South Carolina per se, but I know a lot of other people do. And so we're let's continue to pray for them. We've got Samaritan's Purse as well as the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We're standing by waiting for the storm to leave and then we're going to go in there and we're going to start helping people. So we're going to need volunteers. And so uh, if, you, if you can volunteer, be looking for Samaritan's Purse in the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. We can use your help and uh, we'll use you for sure so be praying for us and we do have a storm coming but listen it's nothing compared to what they're going through down there on the east coast that's for sure
3: that is so so true will graham it's been a joy and a privilege if you think you can help out samaritan's purse we have a link on our website at hisradio.com plus you'll be able to access our time with will graham in just a little bit right on the website at hisradio.com rob allison and jim
1: one indicator of just how bad a storm is is whether or not the Waffle House is still open. For real? Yeah, for real. I'm not even joking. They pride themselves on being there for people, even through some of the worst natural disasters. So working at the Waffle House is sort of like working at the Weather Channel, minus Jim Cantore. They actually have a storm center that's tracking Hurricane Florence at the Waffle House headquarters. I'm not even kidding. There's photos of it, okay? It's real. (laughs) They have jump teams that can travel to affected areas to keep restaurants up and running. They even have the Waffle House Index, which is kind of the code language for how serious the situation is. So if it's code red, that's the worst. Okay. That means the restaurant is closed. If it's code yellow, it means they're operating a limited menu. And if it's code green, everything's cool. So we really want code green here, people. Yeah, right? <laughs> but this isn't just about waffles because the sooner that restaurants, grocery stores, banks, all that can reopen after a hurricane like Florence, the sooner economies will start generating revenue. You know, and that means a, a community is bouncing back.
3: Well, there's some kind of that's gonna sound weird coming from me because I'm trying to be the healthy guy, yeah. you know, and eat eat healthy. But when I was single, way before there was an Amy in my life, in the middle of the night, I would go to the Waffle House because I just want people to be Aww, around. Yeah, I'd get my scattered, smothered, and covered, <laughs> my side of bacon, mm. and have company. Yum. Yeah, <laughs> I'd never sit in a booth. I'd always sit in the table in front of the uh, in front of the guy who cooks.
1: Yep. Mm. Well, it's comfort food. You know, and that's what people want during a storm.
3: That, too. And so they got the people there that are comforting Mm -hmm. in the middle. That's cool. I know. That's cool. I got a better respect for the Waffle House now. I think I will go on Valentine's Day now.
1: Oh, that's so (laughs) sweet. And you know, it's funny. They put these signs in the door uh, of the ones in the the, uh, hardest hit areas in North Mm -hmm. Carolina. And it says, we plan to open as soon as the storm passes in case of an emergency call. And then there's a number. Well, a member of our crack reporting team called that number yesterday.
3: And what you got? And you know
1: what happened? What? It was the Waffle House headquarters, and the receptionist had no idea, like, why their number was on the sign for to call for emergencies. Isn't that funny?
3: Maybe she's new. I don't know. She's new. But
1: she didn't know. You would
3: have all that infrastructure for a hurricane center. At the Waffle House. What kind
1: of emergency, though, would you need to call the headquarters? (laughs)
3: Broken glass.
1: Rob, Allison, and Jim.
3: Yeah, I know all eyes are taking a look at Hurricane Florence. And I think it's kind of ironic that in Monroe, there is a farm that's called, are you ready for this? Hmm. Check out the name of this farm. It's called, why not an American Ark? Ark? An (sighs) Ark. That's the name of the farm, and they're actually putting their farm to the use of the ark. Now, they don't have a big, giant boat, and they're not putting animals on a boat, but what they have done is take into their ark, their farm, I should say, evacuees who have farm animals, Hmm. which is really neat. They have reservations for 90 horses. I think a lot of them are already there right now. Kim uh, owns the Coastal Therapeutic Riding Program. She's there with 30 horses, and she told WBTV how grateful she is to actually be at the Ark right now.
6: They're just so welcoming. They, yes, absolutely. Bring as many as you need. We'll make room. We'll make it work. I don't know what we're coming back to, if anything. And um,
1: it's the first time I've ever, in all my years of of living through hurricanes, it's the first time I've ever driven out of my driveway and said, there might not be anything here when we get back.
3: Can you imagine having that thought? Especially, I mean, they, they have therapeutic farms on the coast. And they're in Monroe at the farm with their horses wondering, what am I going back to now?
1: A lot of people are probably feeling that way. And it's one thing, you know, to have to evacuate your family. But can you imagine having 30 horses and being Mm -hmm. told you have to evacuate all of them? The logistics of that would be just so nerve-wracking
3: and that there was a place available
1: and it's called the ark
3: yeah of all (laughs) things that's pretty cool why not an american ark there in monroe guys well you are champions you are heroes to a lot of people and we're grateful that you exist i know for other reasons but you're helping out like that rob allison and jim
1: there's this really cool bed and breakfast you might want to check out after hurricane Francis or Florence sorry it's called the frying pan tower and it's a privately owned surplus coast guard light station located 34 miles off the coast of North Carolina yep right in hurricane alley (laughs) and before the storm It had been restored. I mean, it's really cool. It's got a stainless steel kitchen, hot shower full electricity. And this tower has stood since 1964, despite its location in Hurricane Alley. And they had this live cam that was operating up until early this morning, and then it went down. Mm. So we can only imagine you know, uh, what this tower has been going through over the last several hours as Hurricane Florence pummels it. Uh, But many people were watching the live cam and there's a flag, an American flag, and it is just whipping in the wind and getting ripped to shreds Mm -hmm. from Hurricane Florence's strong winds. Uh, So we're praying that when they go back out to the frying pan that it'll still be there. I and hope that, so. You know, they'll be able to plug the camera back in.
3: I kind of want to go now. I know. I didn't even know it existed until we see all this news about Hurricane Florence. And then here's this cam out there with a flag.
1: It's so interesting. What an interesting history. And all these volunteers have come together to restore it. So I'm sure they're on pins and needles just yeah. wondering what the outcome is going to be after this hurricane.
3: Something tells me it's still going to be standing. You think? I think. I mean, it's stand all this time. Did you say the 60s? Yeah, 64. That's, a, that's an old... And it stood Hugo and everything else yeah, that everything. came through. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. So we'll see. And then maybe well, there's a trip in mind. That would be fun. <laughs> in the near future. Mm-hmm. Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim. If you think about it, it was like a year ago that we were talking about Hurricane Harvey.
1: I know. I was just thinking about that. The anniversary just passed.
3: Yeah. And you know who was one of the first that were on the scene of Samaritan's Purse? Mm. I mean, you got folks like Convoy of Hope and Samaritan's Purse and the Salvation Army that are right there. And I tell you, Samaritan's Samaritan's Purse, they were helping in a huge way. They had 11,000 volunteers that were helping families throughout that entire process last year.
4: They also take the time to pray with me to give me that little bit of encouragement to move forward. I'm so grateful you guys come all this way and volunteer your time so that I can have a home again.
3: She was homeless. She lost everything in that storm. She was sleeping in her car and Samaritan's Purse helped her out.
0: Wow,
1: what That's, a story of recovery, and it's just been a year. Mm-hmm. She's back on her feet thanks to Samaritan's Purse.
3: And you know what's going to happen. Stories very similar to that because Samaritan's Purse is on their way to help the recovery process while the recovery process hasn't even begun yet mm-hmm. because Hurricane Florence is coming through. So I got it's so cool on how many people are already starting to help. I got a text yesterday from Food uh, Feed the Hungry. We partnered with them last year to help out Hurricane Harvey. They already sent 40 40- tons of food and supplies. Hmm. 40 tons of it already is sitting here ready to go. That is so cool. And we heard from our friends at WGTS that's a Christian station in Washington DC, on Monday they're doing a water drive. They're going to deliver 14 pallets in a semi truck
1: of right. water.
3: So that's going to go to, to the uh, Harvest uh, Food, uh, Harvest Hope Food Bank. So that's going to go and be deployed. It's amazing on how that's happening. And, of course, Samaritan's Purse, you know, Franklin Graham and the Graham family. Will Graham is going to be on with us uh, in about 20 minutes.
1: That'll be incredible to talk to him and get his perspective on Hurricane Florence as well. But this is just such a time for God's love to shine on people who really need it the most.
3: If you're in a position where you think, I can do something maybe, go to our website, hisradio.com. You'll see all the resources that are available right there as the relief efforts begin now for Hurricane Florence.
0: Mornings with Rob, Allison, and
1: Jim. I feel kind of bad talking about this after you're just mentioning peace and joy. Uh-oh. Uh, have you been seeing the craziness at grocery stores and Walmarts lately?
3: I saw a lot of peace and joy. <laughs>
1: Well, hopefully what you saw was nothing like this. Okay, this was the scene at a Walmart in Durham. People were scrambling to get water and batteries and other supplies. I mean, they were pushing and shoving. No. And just being impolite. And as I would tell my son, being naughty.
2: Oh man,
1: so yeah, that's kind of the language we use. They're being a little bit naughty. But I think, you know, everyone was just amped up and there was a big crowd there and they set out this pallet of water and everyone just dove on it and like wanted to get their water bottles.
3: I, I understand, but I don't understand all at the same time. I
1: know, I know. I was thinking about what my son's been learning in kindergarten. And maybe this could be helpful for people as they go through Hurricane Florence, OK? <laughs> OK. So his teacher told them to picture everybody with a kindness bucket on their head. Okay. And it's our job to fill up other people's kindness buckets. That's nice. I know, isn't that nice? So, like, whenever he says something nice, I'm like, Sammy, you just filled my kindness bucket. That's and, so sweet. And then sometimes, like, will you fill my kindness bucket?
3: <laughs> that just don't walk into the Walmart with your kindness bucket, because evidently they knock it off.
0: They'll empty it. Mornings with Rob, Allison, and Jim.
1: You know, this is
3: kind of interesting, hearing some of the things that people are doing to prepare for the storm. For instance, we heard from Steve, and Steve said, I have dogs. I'm not going to stand out in the wind and the rain. I'm putting a kitty." pool in my garage and putting sod in it to use for the dogs so they can use it for their potty. Genius. I know. That is really cool. That's like a doggy kitty litter box Uh in a sense, right? (laughs) That's true. So uh, we're hearing from a lot of people this morning at (laughs) 800-447-7234.
1: Heather's preparing by having her sister evacuate North Myrtle Beach and stay with her in Anderson. She's like, I get to hang out with her and conveniently her 21st birthday is this Sunday so otherwise I wouldn't have been able to celebrate her with her and now we get to ride out the storm together. So
3: she's thankful for Hurricane Florence in a way in a way yeah. in a way Sherry what are you doing
1: I've gone through four hurricanes with
6: Hurricane Andrew being the worst you fill up your washing machine with hot water keep that in there and you can use it for bathing because most washers are stainless steel now and you can use it for bathing or you know flushing the toilet or washing dishes or whatever you have to do it is a lot of water trust me it's very helpful
1: That's a good idea. I never thought about that as being a good source, a storage source.
6: It it really is. And you'd be surprised how much water you need when there isn't water.
3: Yeah, right. We really use it every single day.
1: Tell me about how you're feeling with this storm coming since you've been through it so many times. Over nervous
6: because I went through Andrew literally in my own home and we lost pretty much everything. We were down very much Southern Florida. To me, they're very scary, but I'm always over-prepared. So I could probably open up a store.
3: The good thing is if you're over-prepared and you still have a lot of stuff left over, you can help out a lot of people when it's all said and done.
6: Yes, that's exactly what we do. We actually walk around the neighborhood and see who doesn't have anything. My husband has a wheelbarrow. We just try to push it through, and if you don't got it, we
1: do.
3: More than just pretty voices. The kindness of people. I mean people helping people is just amazing and I think we're going to see a lot of that in the days ahead.
1: Oh for sure and Connie's on the line. I understand you've been racking your brain for a way that you can help people evacuating
0: from the hurricane. I live uh, about an hour away from Greenville and is there anything on your website that would allow people to who are looking for a place to relocate to Um, to maybe connect with people who have extra rooms.
3: The only thing we have is that uh, Airbnb open homes program, which is just a link to them, but it sounds like you have something.
0: I actually have space. I have a large house that's just my husband and I, so we have three extra bedrooms if a family needed Uh, housing and could not get to a shelter I know some of the shelters are gonna be full we were just kind of opening up our homes for anyone who may need a place
1: that's so generous of you what why do you want to do that
0: you know we often hear about after the storm hit the shelters are full the hospitals or excuse me the churches are full and there's not enough to go around and I'm thinking well if everybody took stock of what they do have what they can share even if it's a little a little bit. In our area to be honest, I don't know that we're gonna have power. I don't know if we're gonna lose water. But I know that our house sits above flooding areas, so we're not gonna be wet. As far as I know, it's going to hold up through the wind, so we can at least offer you a dry, comfortable place to hang out, and it might be by candlelight, but it'll be safe.
3: (laughs) You know, something tells me, Connie, you're going to bring out the board games and have so much fun.
1: Absolutely, and I think, too, just having an open heart like that, Mm -hmm. God's going to put someone in her path that needs exactly what she has.
3: You You know what, Connie? Your, your house is going to be full here really, really soon. I love your heart. Rob, Allison, and Jim. We've been hearing from people preparing for the storm. A lot of question marks of, okay, the shelters, some of them are packed. And people are still displaced. And where in the world do you go? And I understand, James, you might have an idea.
6: Yeah, actually, um, I found out about an app called Harmony. H A R M A N Y, and that is almost like the Airbnb store of sorts, uh for all the shelters that are still taking people, how many vacancies they have, and like what their names are and such like that. So that's another great uh, one quick way of finding out who. Yeah, how you're able to stay somewhere.
3: Oh, that's good because you have these question marks and then you pull in with your family. It's like, oh, you're full? Mm-hmm. I got no place to go?
1: Mm-hmm. They have, you can either add, uh, need a place or have a place. So if you have a home with extra rooms, you can put it on the app as well.
3: That's pretty good.
1: And they try to, they take safety very seriously. They try to verify everybody with their driver's license and their email and all that stuff. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah.
3: Yeah, because you don't want to go into a place that's bad. I
1: know, that's Because you're bringing
3: kids and everything else. So well, we're certainly praying if you're displaced. Hey, if you need somebody to talk with or pray with, our prayer line is certainly open here at 866-987-7729.